Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Jonah, chapter 3. You know, the book starts that the word of the Lord came to him and he was a little bit disobedient. How many remember that? He's a little bit disobedient. Things got fishy. (laughs) Yeah. Verse 1 of chapter 3. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying... Arise, get up, get up, Jonah, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose, went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. It was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. He began to enter into the city a day's journey and he cried and he said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Zephaniah didn't have a real good prophecy this morning. Jonah doesn't have a real good message tonight. But watch this. It does not seem to translate. Forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God. What? He didn't have any great oratory. He didn't have any puppet show. Got a pretty good feeling he didn't have our creative team. Tell you what he had. He had a word from God. They heard that word and the people believed God. Proclaimed a fast. Put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them for the word came unto the king of Nineveh. You're having good church when it gets to the king. He caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. When the beasts are crying to God, you're having revival, folks. Let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Two more verses and we'll be done. Who can tell if God will turn and repent? Turn away his fierce anger that we perish not. And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented or turned of the evil that He had said that He would do unto them and He did it not. I want to preach for a little bit tonight revival in ruins. Revival 
in ruins. I want you to throw your hands towards heaven and I want you to ask the Holy Ghost. Ask the Holy Ghost to do what only He can do here tonight. Spirit of the living God, move on us in this place. We are dependent. We are dependent on a move of God. We need to hear from heaven. I feel a sure word from you tonight. I'm asking you to help me to articulate it. Just help me to preach it. Yeah, I want there to be wisdom and I want there to be clarity. But I'm asking for an anointing that'll break the yoke. I'm asking for an anointing that'll break the yoke in every section of every part of this tabernacle, balcony and main level. I'm asking you to let an anointing. Would you begin to praise God right now and ask Him that that anointing would begin to flow through your section? Woo. Come on, praise Him and say, God, let it flow. God, let it flow. God, let it flow. God, let it flow. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated tonight. Find somebody near you and tell them he's preaching about revival in ruins. What an incredible day it must have been, the sun across Nineveh. That sandaled preacher. Everyone downwind smelling the inside of a great fish. His exterior looking yet a little bit unkept. He steps into a city not with a smile that would draw a crowd. And not with a polished performance that would all the masses but he steps into a city that he does not even want to preach to. And he boldly proclaims, destruction is coming. Forty days and destruction is coming. But he was sent there by God. I want to focus on that for a moment because I preached about the prophet Zephaniah this morning and we're about to return to him. But some century or more earlier, even though it's a handful of pages in your Bible, some century or so earlier, there was a preacher that's walking in to the capital city of Assyria, to Nineveh, and he says, I have a word from the Lord. Forty days and destruction is coming. And because of the power of the word of God, the entire city turns in attention to the preacher. Oh, for the kind of revival 
where it is not about the beauty of oratory, but simply about the power of a direct word from God. The kind of revival where regardless of how evil and sinful the city might be, that men and women would turn their ears unto the faint sound of an aging preacher when he stands and declares, Thus saith the Lord. It was so moving and shaking and gripping that the word moves beyond just the ears of the youth and the mothers and the fathers, but it makes its way through the hierarchy of the government leaders within the city. It works through the infrastructure and gets all the way to the ears of the king. And you've heard me preach about the call and the response. Gentlemen, imagine those of you that sang this morning when we Proudly, pro- proudly proclaim the word of God through song. Imagine the kind of response that the king takes here and calls not just the people, but the beasts. And I don't think he was talking about his ugly cousin. He calls them on a fast and asks them to seek God. Why? Because maybe... Just maybe, maybe, just maybe, God will hear. Have you ever prayed and thought maybe, just maybe, maybe, just maybe, God will hear. There is a testimony of gloom. And unfortunately, as backward as it seems, the dichotomy in its own right that a preacher is preaching to a city that will actually make him sad when they follow directions. (laughs) It's one of the oddest places in the text because Jonah is soon to be upset because in fact, Brother Turner, the city turns to God. Have you ever wondered why is Jonah upset? Turn to Zephaniah. Oh man, I feel God. Turn to Zephaniah, if you will. It's not too far over. About 20 pages or 100 years. Chapter 2, verse 13. Zephaniah's prophecy and he will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria and will make Nineveh a desolation and dry like a wilderness and flocks shall lie down in the midst of her. All the beasts of the nations, both the comrade and the bittern and shall lodge in the upper lintels of it. Their voice shall sing in the windows. Desolation shall be in the thresholds for he shall uncover the cedar work. This is the rejoicing city that dwelt carelessly, that said in her heart, I am. There is none beside me. How is she become a desolation 
a place for beasts to lie down in. Everyone that passeth by her shall hiss and wag his hand. How is it possible that Zephaniah is prophesying this which will in fact study your history, which will in fact come to pass. How is he prophesying this over what is regarded as one of the greatest moments of revival in all time? Not just the elders, not just the middle age, but the children, not just the laity, but the king himself. Everyone turned to God. Mass prayer, Brother Watkins, hit the entire city and an impending doom was turned away from them. How is it possible that this declaration would be about Nineveh? Here's why. Because revival was one generation away from ruin. Revival of a hundred years before was lying in ruins. And there was a prophecy of destruction that came against her. Because although there was a day when she turned to God, although there was a day that would be forever recorded in history as one of the greatest revivals that ever occurred from generation to generation, it reminds us very much of Judges, that early book in the Old Testament where we find that it was only one generation later that knew not the Lord. How is it possible, Brother Devin, that a, a city, not a small city, a great city, not, not, not just a medium city, but a capital city of Assyria that has had the kind of revival that today would have sent shockwaves around the world. Can you imagine the headlines if it was today's culture with, a, the, with this Nineveh revival? Can you imagine the hashtags and the people that it would have been jumping on planes to fly in? into Nineveh. Revival hits Nineveh, the headlines read. Even the king prays through. Tell me we wouldn't be, I'm telling you right now, if it would have happened in our city, we would put it up on the... We'd play video clips. We'd watch people come in from everywhere. Revival hits Nineveh. King prays through. So how is it possible that a revival like that turns into the smoldering ruins of captivity? Ladies and gentlemen, a hundred years is not a long time. You're talking just over one lifetime and some make it nearly that far. Maybe 150 years at best later and the city itself is in complete desolation and being prophesied into ruin. I'll tell you why. It's because they had good revival for the day but they did not have a sustainable revival. I'm here to preach to you tonight that Indianapolis, Indianapolis at the early 1900s was absolutely set on blaze with a multicultural revival that spread across this city. 
If you don't know it, you need to know. They drove into Indianapolis from all across the country to experience what the Lord was doing, to find out what God was doing in this city. And the Lord has so arrested me. Here we are just over a hundred years later of the outbreak in the, in the modern Pentecostal movement. And we can talk about Topeka. And I understand that we can talk about Azusa Street. But tonight I want to talk about Indianapolis. I, I thank God for what he did in Kansas. I, I thank God for what he did in Los Angeles. But I've got news for hell. If you think we are going to let a hundred year ago revival turn into the turn into the prophecy of destruction some hundred plus years later, we will not have revival in ruins in this city. They will not. I'm going to preach. They will not spend their time talking about what Calvary could have been. They will not spend their time talking about what Indianapolis could have had while they pick through the wreckage, while they pick through the ruins of who we are. No, 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 no. Some hundred plus years later, I want Jonah to know we still hear the word of the Lord. We still hear, maybe you don't hear it, but if you listen close, you can still hear the prophet. You can still hear the preacher. Who's ever, let me ask you a question. Who's ever heard prophetic promise over this church? Brother B, you ever heard it? <laughs> so how does revival hit ruins? I'm gonna tell you how it happens. They had a real great revival that lasted for a little while, but somewhere along the way, they stopped training preachers. When you don't have a preacher in your city, unless God sends one via whale, I don't know if you know this, but we ain't got many bodies of water large enough around here. You ain't even got a big lake. I'm afraid if we're not careful, we spend so much time filing our nails. Oh, God will send a man. God will send somebody. He did. He sent you. He sent you. Well, I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, you are meant to love this word and you're a preacher on your street. You're a preacher in your... I'm sorry. You cannot have revival in ruins in your neighborhood. You cannot have it. So here we go. You didn't know, I didn't know what you were gonna talk about. I didn't even have you tell me what you were gonna talk about. You wanna talk about preachers? Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna teach our young men and we're gonna teach our young ladies without fear or favor, without concern about what people say to tuck a Bible up under your arm and walk into your school and start a P7 club. Whether you go to CCS or not, whether you go to some public school to be able to walk into that environment. I want our men on the job sites. I want our ladies at the offices. I want you to walk in there knowing you are an ambassador for Christ. You are a preacher. I know your name isn't Jonah. I know your name isn't Zephaniah. Your brother so-and-so. Your sister so-and-so. And you got a word from God. I'm not gonna let revival die. I'm not gonna let revival die. I'm not gonna let revival die. We cannot have revival in ruins. 
We cannot have revival in ruins. But the only way it's gonna happen is if we have a multi-generational revival. I know I've been preaching about it. I can't get away from it. My God, he has arrested me about this today. He has absolutely arrested me to tell you that it will become a smoldering heap unless you allow revival to continue. Say, what are you talking about? God's gonna have a church. Sometimes we use that scripture as an outlet to do nothing. The gates of hell won't prevail against the church. No, it's not the gates of hell. It's our own flesh. It's our own lack of interest. I've been in church a long time. I've heard everything preached. How? I always come back to this. How many souls have you won? How many people have you won to the kingdom? What are you doing for the kingdom of God? Well, Pastor Carson, you don't understand. I'm in my 70s. You can reach people I cannot reach. Pastor, I'm in my 50s. You can reach different people than anybody else. He puts you in that neighborhood. Man, I'm preaching to somebody. He puts you there on purpose. One generation. One generation is all it takes. One person doesn't show up. It's like the, it's, it's like the illustration. They said, a guy was standing there and he was watching these dudes. He said, one guy would stand there and dig a hole with a shovel and then another guy would come right behind him and take that dirt and put it right back in that hole. He said, I watched him do it three or four times and I showed up and said, what are you doing? He said, well, the guy that's supposed to put the tree in didn't show up for work today, so. It's not somebody else's job. It's my job. It's my job. You know what? I knew what I was preaching tonight and I, I looked over here and I try, to, I try not to use my children. I, I try to guard this because I know what they're gonna endure. I know what they might have to fight in this world. But I looked over here. I don't know where he and I looked over and saw Oaks and Case and these little boys over here worshiping and dancing and something registered me and that's when I came down and started running across this front because I don't wanna have one good week of revival and then expect them to do it on their own. How are they going to know unless I model what we believe? If you want to go to a church that is alive, then you ought to model what live looks like. I'm going to preach it. If you want to go to a worshiping church, then you ought to model being a worshiper. If you want to go to a dancing church, then you ought to go ahead and dance a little bit. If you want to go to an aisle-running church, go ahead and run the aisles a little bit. I will not let them proclaim smoldering destruction and desolation. Because the generation coming after us, they must know. I'm going to tell you how Nineveh turns into a heap of ashes because they had real good prayer, got to feeling better, and did not pass it on. <laughs> Woo! Turn back to evil. He did. All right, if it's only about feeling good, the idols will return. If it's only about temporary repentance, then the idols will return. If it's only about simply feeling good for a little while, then the idols will return. But if it's about training the next generation, 
If it's about training the generation that's coming after us to know how to pray and know how to fast and know how to seek God. Dads, I'm gonna talk to you right now. They cannot just learn how to yell at the TV from you. Pick up the ball, pick up the ball, pick up the ball, you bum. You know, I'd have made it if it wasn't for this knee. I know it's old preaching. I know you've heard it a thousand times, but I gotta say it again. Men of God, if they're gonna learn how to worship, let them learn how to worship from us. Let them learn how to praise God. If we want them to have private prayer closets, hear me now, if we want them to have private prayer closets, every now and then they ought to wake up early in the morning to us thundering in the living room, call it on the name of the Lord, passing it from one generation to the next. All we ever preach is the good part of Nineveh. You know, Nineveh, Ooh, they had revival. Nineveh becomes nothing because revival will fade. When revival fades, relationship must sustain you. Relationship must keep you. Staying committed to the purpose and the plan of God. What happens when Jonah's voice no longer echoes through the chambers of your home? What happens when Jonah's voice is no longer on the side of where you stand? What happens? I tell you what happens when the preacher doesn't come home with me. I still love God. I still teach my children how to pray. I still teach my family. Moms, I'm, 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 listen, I'm a pastor tonight. Is that okay? I'm just going to pastor tonight. Moms, please don't let these sweet young ladies see you so worried about looking like the world, worrying about how you look. And I want you to take care of yourself, be beautiful, but make sure the most important person of your opinion is the guy you're married to. You don't... That's old school preaching, but I'm gonna preach it anyway. We're not trying to look like the world. We're not trying to please the world. We're not trying to meet up with some image of the world because we want our young ladies to know. I'm gonna say it. You don't need to be a size two to be beautiful. You don't need to do yourself up like a clown to be beautiful. I know that's just old-fashioned preaching, but I hear a preacher saying there's destruction if we don't turn towards God. And I feel that old spirit. I feel that old spirit in this place. I wonder if there's any mom that would say, I'd rather teach them how to dance. I'd rather teach them how to pray. I'd rather teach them how to shout. You godly grandparents, be godly. It, it, listen, I don't even care if you do hurt their feelings. If you know it's gonna mess them up, tell them. They're standing, they're not offended. Every one of them standing almost. You're not afraid of hard preaching, are you? You're not afraid of tell us what's right. 
I'm dealing with the harsh reality that my oldest son's probably moving out of the house in a year from now. We had a good long talk the other night and I wouldn't embarrass him for nothing. But I, what matters to me most is if my generation is not around, what will their generation do with it? When our generation is not preaching to them, will they know how to preach on their own? I, I'm not worried about whether or not they can have powerful oratory, but I want them to really know who God is and I want them to be able to really speak why does it matter? Because I don't want Zephaniah walking in. Zephaniah had as much of a word from God as Jonah did. Think about that. The same God that sent Jonah to bring salvific message to them. The same God who said, I want you to go, boy, I'll put you in a whale until I get you there if I have to. But you will go. You'll be pulling seaweed out of your hair and getting that salt off of your skin. But I'll get you to, I'll get you to Nineveh. The same God, Brother Turner, is going to look at Zephaniah and say, go ahead. Go ahead. And he's going to prophesy destruction over a Syria. Capital city to lay in ruins. Oh God. I want you to throw your hands towards heaven with me right now. If I don't teach you how to do anything, I want to teach you how to pray and I want to teach you how to worship. If I don't train you how to do anything else, I want to teach you how to have a Holy Ghost tenacity. Get a hold of the horns of the altar. Seek the face of God until you feel a move. Oh, my, my, my. My, 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 my. I feel a little intercession moving in this house right now. And we need it. We need a little intercession moving in this. Oh, no, 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 Indianapolis, they used to be a revival city. Brother Robeson, you've heard of Indy. They, that used, used to be, that used to be, that used to be. You know that family, Brother Mastall? That used to be a revival family. You know them, they, they used to be a revival. Brother Myers, you know, you remember them all, you remember? Tell me you haven't had conversations like that where you talk about that family and say, you know, they used to live for God. Oh, they used, to, they used to live for God, but they walked away from God. They, something happened. I don't know if it was a fence. I, I don't know if it was bur- I, I mean, You know, somebody got sick, and then, and then I don't know what happened. I'll tell you what happened. One generation. It only takes one generation. There's families in this room right now. You've got in-laws. You've got extended relatives whose kids don't even know anything about Pentecost. Come on, let me get a witness if I'm telling the truth right now. You got people, they, they know the name, but that's about it. They don't understand anything about the oneness of God. They don't understand anything about the power of His Spirit. They, if they show up in a service like this and people are jumping around, they think we lost our minds. 
But I'm convinced if they could feel him. I'm convinced if they could feel him. Yeah, but I don't know what to say. All Jonah had was destructions coming. And they turned because it was the right word at the right time in the right place. And I'm gonna tell you something just in case you don't know. He never misses. God never misses. But if we're really gonna see it, man, I feel such a burden. We're gonna have to have prayer in our homes. We're gonna have to have multi-generational prayer in our homes. If we want our church to be strong, we need our families to be strong. Because I believe, I, I, my God, I believe that with every fiber of my being. I cannot expect to have a weak family at home that's magically a powerful family at church. Fighting and fussing and carrying on and everybody watching everything under the sun and then walk in church and miraculously be a bunch of holy tongue talkers. It just doesn't happen. But if we can be powerful, holy, godly, prayerful, fast. You want to know how I you want to know how I learned to fast? I watched my family. Yeah. Know how I really how I really heard about God in my little blue collar family? They just they just drug us to church. Who in this room was ever taken to church when you didn't want to go? Come on, you lie, you fry. Some of you don't want to be here tonight. Hope you're feeling better about it now. They made me go and I, I didn't even want to go. I had times friends were doing things I'd have rather done. I had times I tried to fake sick not to go to church. I'm not feeling good. God will heal you. Get dressed. Let's go. <laughs> Who else grew up in a family like that? You feel better? Put the light bulb close to your head. Try to feel like you got a fever. Come on. I'm in your mail. Come on. Parents say, get dressed. You'll feel better by the time we get there. You go stomping in the room. But wasn't it something? How many got the same testimony as me? Couldn't barely get through song service and all of a sudden I started recognizing why I needed to be there in the first place. Thank God they drug us to the house of the Lord. Thank God they taught us. So now, please hear me. Now we gotta instill that into our children. Young people hear me. Kids hear me. I hope they make you come when you don't want to. I don't wanna go to church. Too bad. We need some too bad parents. We do. We need some too bad parents. Oh, I don't want to go. We went this morning. We don't need to. Too bad. I don't want to wear a suit. Too bad. I don't want to go to prayer. Too bad. Why? Because as they mature in Christ, they'll be able to look back and see that it was your example of faithfulness that even when they didn't want to, you were prompting them and nudging them along. How many parents know there are times you'll bring your family to prayer when you don't even want to come? I'm the pastor of this church. There's times I come, I don't want to. 
Oh, you shouldn't say that. You're being recorded. Too late. You know why I come? Because I gotta be here. And I know my family needs to see it. And I know, that's why I'm here. I come because just in case, what am I gonna do if God is looking for a preacher in just that? Brother Matthews, how are we possibly going to reach? When I'm talking about regional revival, Brother Shunk, what in the world? How are we possibly gonna do it? I'm gonna tell you how we're gonna do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We got preachers in this group right here. Brother Turner, we got missionaries right here. They're right here. And I want you guys to look around this room. We refuse to give up on you. We want you, Mason, I want you to follow my generation. I want you to follow. Where's big old Eli? Just so. Duncan in the pool yesterday. Of everything you learn, of everything you do, if you learn anything, I want you to be able to say, I followed his example to seek God. Winston, I want you to be able to say, I might never, I might never preach just like dad. I might not ever sing like mom. But I'm going to follow their faithfulness. I'm going to follow that faithfulness. Some of you might be doctors and lawyers and chiropractors, but some of you might be preachers and evangelists and missionaries. And some of you might be doctors and preachers. I think a couple parents would take that. But Brother Friendly, here's what I know. If we're not intentional about it, If we're, if we're not intentional about it, and I feel it right now, I feel it around this room. I feel some of you that are here that are thinking, but my family's not even here. The fact that your family is not here cannot cripple you from being powerful. It cannot cripple you from being a prayer warrior, and it cannot cripple you from being faithful to the house of God. You set the example anyway. You established How many, how many elders in the room? How many mature adults know what I talk about when I just talk about getting a hold of the horns of the altar and just praying until there's a break and just, I mean, just clinging to God until you feel a break. That's what I feel like we need right now, Sister Collins. I feel like we need that kind of prayer. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like we need that kind of prayer that says, don't sin, Zephaniah. Don't let there be destruction spoke over my family. I curse that in the name of the Lord. Don't let there be destruction prophesied over my home. I, I turn to you, God. Don't, don't, don't let there be any kind of destructive prophecy come over our city. And I'm gonna tell you right now, it is not the will of God for revival to be in ruins, but it is the will of God for there to be an apostolic witness throughout every corridor of this city. I've been preaching it on Sunday nights about evangelism and apostolic witness throughout the region. And I'm gonna tell you how it happens when Nineveh keeps worshiping and when Nineveh keeps praying and when Nineveh keeps praising God. Jonah left, but we repent anyway. Jonah laughed, but we seek the face of God.
throw your hands towards heaven. In fact, I want to invite any parents that would come to this altar. Some of you might even run to this altar and get a hold of God and say, I'd like them to see my witness. I'd like them to see my example tonight. Young people, I want you to stay for a minute and I'm asking for every parent that feels a call right now, come as close as you can to this altar. Parents and grandparents that might feel compelled I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm just saying it's right. What about the days, Pastor, when it's tough, when we're weary, when the kids are fighting us? It's still right. 